Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a astounding 3-0 victory over Bournemouth. And I say astounding because we never do well against Bournemouth. Well, specifically what I'm thinking the last three or four results. We can all think of how annoying those results have been from the opening day of this season to the last time Bournemouth are in um, the Premier League and all the controversy that went down um, in terms of goal line technology against Sheffield United that kept us up and how their fans now hate us and all that hoopla. But nonetheless, three nil victors at Villa Park. And that's all that matters. We now have a massive gap below us and we're still in 11th somehow. Keep in mind now we are tied with Chelsea in 10th. So if you want to have a little bit positivity there, minus four goal differential, it's looking a little bit better there too. But anyways, it's coming up all cleared in blue at the moment. And we do have Mr. Simon O'Regan here as well. So, Simon, you're just getting back from the match a little while ago. How's it going for you? Very well. It's, uh, it's always a good weekend when, when Villa have got three points and especially with a good performance as well. So, um, yeah, I'm all very happy. I've, I've, I mean, the only annoying thing is I can't go out and celebrate tonight because... I've got to, uh, I've got to leave the house about half five tomorrow morning to, to drive down to Heathrow Airport to pick my parents up from their holiday. So that's the only shame that I can't celebrate this win. For a second, I was thinking you're going on a holiday and you haven't told me, or you're going on a secret scouting mission for Villa and you're looking <laughs> for the next talent, which if you're doing that, I'm sure you would have went with Neil Dunworth, of course, um, and somewhere in Norway. Bring up Norway again, because I know we have a couple listeners and they reached out to me to let me know their thoughts on our comments last week. So if you want to know those thoughts, go back and listen to that episode. The support is always appreciated. Um, and I do appreciate your, um, I, I guess, your what's the word I'm looking for? Commitment to the cause of waking up that early and being a good son. But uh, regardless of that, from being a good son to being a very good football club at the moment, that is Villa, of course. Like I said, we are once again deadlocked <laughs> in 11th. 11th is Villa's home forever and um, for eternity at this point in time. We'll talk about the game a little bit, and we also have a couple of questions that came in and via, via Twitter for talking points. So we'll talk about the likes of Cameron Archer too, maybe a little bit more um about um some on loan stars from there but uh like i said let's dive into the game in particular just to kind of break down things in terms of who scored because if you have been living under a rock or missed the action of course there were three goal scorers like i said dougie louise scoring in the seventh minute from a very nice low cross from leon bailey very simple finish from there nice to see leon bailey not overthink something just put the ball in the box and good things happen. Of course, it took a little while from there, but Jacob Ramsey scored in the 80th minute, assisted by that man, Super Ollie Watkins. Emmy Buendia scoring in the 89th minute um, from a onward header that was passed on from Tyrone Mings's header. Um, for, for a second for that goal, I thought, how did Emmy Buendia literally outjump everybody? But it makes sense that it came off someone else's head and then went off his to make that happen. So, of course, Tyra Mings gets the assist there. That is three clean sheets out of the last four. I think it's four clean sheets out of the last eight matches. Um, we've scored in every single Premier League match under Unai Emery thus far. And I can't remember the exact points total that we've had. Um, since then but um, I'll come to that after I get Simon's thoughts but everything's coming up Villa everything's coming up Unai Emery I mean Simon we'll just kind of get into it what were your general thoughts on the performance overall I thought it was a dominant performance to be honest from from the moment we kicked off I I thought Villa were right on it and it kind of it it felt like it was only a matter of time before we got the opening goal Uh, I suppose the only 
disappointment, if you can even call it that, is that it took so long to, to go and get the second one because although I thought we were in complete control from start to finish, at 1-0, you're still always nervous that, you know, it only takes a mistake or, you know, a, a wonder strike from 30 yards out and you can find yourself dropping two points. But in reality, I never really felt like we were going to, we, we weren't going to win that game today. As I said, I thought it was a, it's just a completely dominant performance. And, you know, Bournemouth were coming into that game, I'd assume, you know, full of, full of beans after beating Liverpool last weekend and winning Arsenal so close the weekend before that. So they would have been coming in fairly confident. But as I said, literally from, from within the first, Minute, minute and a half of that game. I don't think Bournemouth touched the ball for the first couple of minutes, and the, you know we set the tone off straight, straight from kick off. Which, to be fair, the majority of the games at Villa Park since Emery's come in, we have done that. We've tended to start really, really fast. And I think it's, I've got a feeling that it's maybe only the Liverpool game and the Crystal Palace game that we haven't scored within the first ten minutes of a home game since Emery's come in. So. We really do start off like a house on fire, and there's been an occasion maybe in the past where, well, certainly you know against like Arsenal and Leicester, where we we didn't capitalise on that early sort of pressure and start the way we should have done, and even though we didn't necessarily capitalise on it with goals today, but I thought we kept kept the performance level up, bar maybe a ten minute periods in the first half around the half hour mark, and Bournemouth came into it a little bit more. But but never really threatened. I think they had maybe one or two sort of half chances, really. But I, I just thought we completely controlled it. And the midfield, um, I thought uh, Louise, Ramsey and McGinn, just they completely controlled that midfield. And yeah, really, really good performance. And some people will probably look and go, oh, it's only Bournemouth. And, you know, there, there is an element of that. They're not particularly great team and you know they're, they're probably one of the favourites to go down but you know they did beat Liverpool last weekend and and were five seconds away from getting a results at the Emirates so it's it, I don't think it should be as easy as as easily dismissed as I think it might be in some quarters the, the way we dominated that game for 90 minutes. 100% and just kind of reference um, that early goal scoring um, stat. Um, of course, AVFC Stato thanks to him for literally every Villa stat known to man these days um, on Twitter basically said that Douglas Louise goal was Aston Villa's 10th Premier League goal in the first 15 minutes of a game this season, more than any other team. Um, which, I mean, Simon, it's it's amazing. Let's think of the last X number of seasons for as long as I can remember Typically, Villa have been very slow starters, and we've started on the back foot I don't know how many times. And that was the biggest, one of the biggest issues, I would say, especially under Dean Smith, that I could really think of during his reign. And it took almost a half to really figure it out. We don't have to talk about Steven Gerrard. We've talked about him <laughs> enough. Um, nothing ever really happened there, of course. But And kind of getting on to the Bournemouth um, results itself, do you know the last time we've actually beaten Bournemouth um, prior to today? It should be pretty obvious. Uh, in the Premier League, I would assume that would be the opening day of the 15-16 season when Rudy Gassad's got the winner. Do you know the last time after or before that? Oh, God knows. Okay, well, actually, it was the same year. It was uh, it would have been the season prior, of course, January twenty fifth, twenty fifteen, two one win in the FA Cup. FA Cup, um, yeah, yeah. The the last time before that, I'm not going to read all their all these out. There's not that many, to be honest. But it was in the old Division Two, um, March fifth, nineteen eighty eight, a two nil uh, Villa win. Um, apparently, the first time we played each other was 1971, October 23rd. We lost three nil in the third division. Um, anyways, I wasn't <laughs> around those days, so I can't comment. Neither were you. I know we always say you're the wise head here and you're, you're ancient, but uh, let's be honest. Um, if you were, I'd be massively concerned why you're on this podcast. If you're that old. <laughs> um, but uh, regardless of that, you are right. I mean, it's it's a really weird one for me, this result, because you sit back and you look at it. And I think when you look at past results with Bournemouth and how it's been handled. And I mean, of course, you can think of, um, well, of course, the first season Villa are back in the Premier League, losing to Spurs in the opening day and running them ragged and kind of 
falling apart at the end and running out of gas. And then the first game at Villa Park was, was against Bournemouth. Um, I only remember this so refreshingly because I watched them last night as I was putting a post together for the website. Um, but I mean, to cost ourselves so early on in that game and to try to claw our way back in, it was nice to see Villa kind of have that continued progress under Unai Emery that we're not our own worst enemy anymore. Um, I mean, every football club is at some point um, in a season, but I mean, we're coming up aces more than we are um, with, I, I guess, I don't know what a bad card would be, but um, I guess you could say spades, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but I don't know where I was going that, but regardless, it, it's just nice to know that we can score early, we can hold on and ride out a little bit of momentum, and then, you know what, when they have tired legs, when they're getting frustrated, when they want to push the most to try to get themselves out of a tricky situation, we just put our foot right on their throat and we don't give up and we say, you know what, we're taking this and we're running with it. And and that's just really nice to see, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think what's what's really refreshing to see as well is how many times over the last however many years have we always said Villa only play in one half of a of a game. You know, we, we only turn up for one half. And that just hasn't been the case in Dremory. Like I more often than not, with you know the exception of one or two games, we've played pretty consistently well for ninety minutes in most games. Or even say, for example, like Tottenham away or Brighton away, it's it may not be playing well in terms of free flowing football and creating loads of chances, but it's a consistent performance over the ninety minutes where there's a game plan and they've stuck to it and. I think that's that's absolutely amazing to see because you kind of I've I've always thought that we've especially like this season as well that there's a good squad of players in there, but you just it shows the unbelievable value of a, an elite level manager who who has there's a proper coaching system in place and the players are are buying into it clearly and you you're starting to see results from it. I mean, the, the this the game today. We could so easily have, after that initial 20 minutes where we were only 1-0 up, have just, how many times have we seen us do that and you come away and you, you've, you've drawn the game or, you know, you, you somehow managed to lose that game. Whereas I just, I, even though at times it is a little uncomfortable when you're 1-0 up, when it's only 1-0, but I just, I, I never had that sort of nagging doubt that I've had so many times in the past that, that we were going to screw it up. Like you just, I just feel so comfortable watching this team and with that manager on the sideline. Well, and that's the thing too, like, especially when you're playing, I mean, anytime when Villa plays a team that are having their Premier League status under threat, I mean, you'd always think in, I guess, an easy world, you know what, you walk away like this game, 3-0 winners. Um, and that should be every game with everyone under you, or I guess teams that you think aren't up to par to Villa or whoever you support, really. But that's been the complete opposite for Villa. It, it's always kind of felt for me, it's the teams that we have barely a chance about or being with. We somehow pull up a big result, but when you're playing teams in and around you or below you, we've always kind of just absolutely cocked it up. I mean, again, and we've kind of mentioned this as well, it's just, it, it seems like these kind of, um, I don't know if you want to call them hoodoos or just um, courses of bad luck, whatever it may be. It just, it seems like under Unai Emery, a lot of things are changing. The players are believing in themselves. The fans are believing in the club and themselves. It just seems like one man has come in and just absolutely shifted things quicker than a lot of us have thought. I know um, when our very own Tom Nightingale has been on here numerous times, kind of saying we need to be patient and, this could be a multi-year process to be even, I'm not saying mid-table, but even to be comfortably competitive. And you know what? It's an early blip. Maybe we're riding momentum and things will, I guess, balance out eventually. But I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But for now, we really have to enjoy it. But Simon, the one thing I did want to bring up, and like I kind of mentioned at the very start, we did get a couple um, questions over on Twitter. So tweet us at 7500 to Holt. I'm going to try to put out... Um, hopefully a post not every podcast but most um, basically just kind of asking for your thoughts questions concerns whatever in regards to villa uh, we'll try to read out as many as we can discuss them give you a little bit of shout out just to kind of show your support and we do of course appreciate the engagement as well 
Um, Simon Palmer did also kind of mention something in regards to John McGinn, but I did want to bring up Dougie Louise too, but he just said, I had confidence that we would win and the clean sheet was good to see. Um, and then he also mentioned where has this version of John McGinn been? It's great to see him, um, play like this again. We mentioned John McGinn last week, Simon, but we can bring him in again. So let's tie him in with Dougie Louise. Cause I mean, Dougie had quite the day as well. And to, I guess, um, give if AVFC Stato even more credit than I already have. I'll, I'll steal another stat from him with Dougie Louise's one goal, 85% pack passing accuracy, one chance created 38 touches, hundred percent dribble success, eight passes into the final third, two ball recoveries, fine, uh, sorry, fine, five <laughs> ground duels, one. Um, I mean, you throw that in with a very dynamic ball hungry, John McGinn, and it's crazy to say, but it feels like we really haven't missed Bubakar Kamara all that much. It's pretty mental to think that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. I think Bournemouth were quite a nice opposition to to have Kamara missing for. To, to be fair, like, I think that there are. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought McGinn and Louise were absolutely fantastic, but I I do think they it was a nice opposition to come up against. But the Dougie Louise, I mean. He, I thought he was outstanding today. I think he's been excellent for for quite a while, to be honest. I think, I think Emery has sort of brought him on his game on another level, and the partnership with Kamara, I think, has really helped him to flourish. And I, I'm really happy. So I was um after the game, I was, I was chatting with the lads in the pub, and like I kind of I felt really vindicated because I, I genuinely. And you can, you can go back and you can look through tweets and you can ask people. From day one, I was massive Louise apologist. I, right, even when a lot of people were sort of writing him off, I, I could just see that there was a player there and I kept saying, like, trust me, there's a reason Prep Guardiola had him at Man City and, and wanted him to be able to stay at that club. There's clear, there was clearly, I, I, I thought from, right from the off, very talented midfield there. Admittedly, a very raw midfielder who I think did take time to adjust to the sort of the pace of the Premier League, and 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 I think I think he he's improved in terms of his sort of tactical discipline. But and I think having Kamara alongside him has really helped with that. But he's um, I, I think this season he's he's really come on leaps and bounds again and. I mean, I'm so glad that we didn't sell him to Arsenal <laughs> on the last day of that transfer window in the summer, and and that now that we've got him signing a new deal, and like I I think the the partnership of him and Kamara, I think outside of sort of what you'd say the you know the traditional you know what what you'd expect the top sort of five or six to be. I don't think you're going to get a better midfield partnership in, in the Premier League outside of that. And to be honest, I actually think both of those two are capable of playing for some of those teams. And I, I genuinely think they're that good. And, um, you know, again, with this sort of caveat that uh, we weren't played against the greatest opposition today. But Louise, he's he's performed like this against a number of teams this season. When we beat Manu in Emery's first game, I, I thought he was outstanding in that match as well. I'd, so I think he's been really good all season. And then to tie John McGinn into it, again, I think since Emery's come in, he's improved so much. And I think we've sort of said before, and, and I I said quite a lot um, like last season, that I I never felt that we were using McGinn properly. You, you looked at Scotland, always played him slightly further ahead in the midfield. And we had him so deep. And it's not that he can't do that, because in Dean Smith at times in the Championship, he would play a little bit deeper, and Grealish and Hurahan would maybe go forward a bit more. So we can play it, but I think the role that he was being asked to do in terms of sitting so deep and just having to cover the full-backs who were just given licence to fly forward at will, it just it didn't it, it took away what made McGinn's uh, such a good player and what made us all sort of fall in love with him initially in the first place, and you're sort of you're seeing that, like you said, that sort of dynamic, hungry player. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's he's shoving people off the ball with that glorious ass of his once again, and <laughs> using it to manipulate the play. And he just he he looks like he's enjoying his football again. He for a long time he just he didn't look happy out there, and I was I it was really sad to see because he was getting a lot of flack from Villa fans, and and some of it. 
was, I think, um, some of it I think was fair because he wasn't playing well. I think we can all admit that he wasn't playing well. But it just, for me, it felt like he's a player, he's, he's done so much for the club and has been such a good player. It, it felt like he, there's, there's been players in, in the past, you know, when you think of when we got relegated in the year or two before that, there's been players who've been at that club who have, have taken the piss and, and have deserved real stick. And McGinn was getting that kind of stick from fans and it, it just, he felt like he didn't deserve it at all. And you kind of, you, it felt like it was maybe getting to the stage where you kind of thought, is, is he, like, you start thinking yourself, is he actually good enough then to play for, like, has he reached his level? But you're seeing what he's doing now and he's playing so well. And it's, I'm just, I'm so happy to see it back because I'm such a huge fan of John McGinn. And yeah, it's great to see him. And as I said right at the start, I thought him, Louise, and Ramsey completely controlled that game today. You know, it's mental. And I don't know why. It, like with John McGinn, I still feel like he's like 24, 25. He's three years, or not three years, sorry, three months, I think, younger than me. Um, he's already 28. He'll be 29 next October. Um, I mean, he's in the prime of his career. It, it's mental to think he's actually that old, because I always felt like, especially when we got promoted, I you saw the links to United and all that kind of stuff, and I always thought, you know what, we'll probably lose him eventually. But when you look at John McGinn, he's the perfect example of someone you want to stick around your club for their whole career. It doesn't matter if they're a starter or if they're a sub or they, they turn into an impact player. They only play once in a few, or it's like a, I don't know, I guess a, like a, I guess the best example would be like maybe Arteta for Arsenal or Murtisaka, where they played like two games in the season way, way back when, but they were just club captain. You have that leadership. Mm. I feel like with McGinn, you get all of that. And then the performance on the pitch as well. And like we've said for seasons now, it's a shame that when he got hurt and how long it's really taken him to get back to that level. But again, under Emery, it's just, it's clear as day that, and I mean, you have to have some precedence too. Of course, we're playing Bournemouth. We're going to have more time on the ball. You're not going to be as pressured to sit back and defend. So he can play next to Dougie Louise and get forward a little bit more without that work. I guess the excessive worry of constantly defending too and being on the back foot. Um, but I mean, the drive to get forward, the, the amount of, I guess, plays he creates going forward as well. It, it's been brilliant. And I mean, to get on to, to Dougie for a second too, it's again, it, it's crazy that we've kept him, tied him down. And you still see links with uh, Guendouzi being linked to come in in the summer and him and Camaro re- rekindle that midfield partnership. I mean, I don't even know if I'd want it to change right now, to be honest, Simon with Louise and Kamara and moving one of well, you move. Let's see, let's be honest. You'd move Louise out. <laughs> You're not moving Kamara out of that side. Um, it's, it's just such a weird one. Cause I always felt like with, um, with Dougie that there was just this kind of timestamp on when he'd either be at Villa or maybe he'd only play for a certain amount of time. And then we'd have to find someone in and then eventually move him on. But Right now, with the control in his contract that the club have, it's it's kind of funny to think that maybe you even still bring in Gwen Doozy and then you have this three-headed monster that you can move around the pitch in the midfield. It becomes so much more dynamic. I don't know the last time I've been this giddy about a, a Villa midfield duo. I mean, you probably have a better example than I do. Um, well, it, the thing is, uh, so I remember like, when I was sort of like a kid, a, a teenager... We we had like a midfield three uh, of uh, Ian Taylor, George Boateng, and Paul Merson, and like the football is it's very different now to how it was then. So like that may not be uh, it, it may not translate well to the modern game, but at that time that you know that that was the midfield trio that I was really happy with. But um, just like, on the point of like the the idea of Gwendozi coming in, I think we I think Villa fans need to get out of the mindset of thinking if a player comes in, that means that you're automatically bombing someone out of the team. Absolutely. Uh, and and, like, and, and I, I understand the thought process behind that because you'd think, you know, say Gwen Doozy comes in that like, you're looking at 30, 40 million. You know, it's sometimes it, it's hard to sort of get out of that, the idea of you'd spend 30, 40 million to someone to, to come and sit on the bench. Like, that's crazy. But you've got to think where 
where we want to get Villa wants to be competing regularly in European football. So if you look at the the squads in the Premier, you know, the, the Premier League teams who are competing in that European football, they've got play two or three players who are equally capable as each other in each position. You need to, for us to get to the level where we want to get to. You need to have players on the bench who are as good as the players in that first team, and so yeah, I kind of I understand the the arguments sometimes people have when when they say things like that. But I think I think it's just mindset that that it, it just needs to change. And so the same way that the mindset of the fans at, at home, especially, needs to change in terms of being patient with the build at play. And today it was actually the first time. I, that I didn't hear a single moan from anyone about us not just lumping the ball forwards, and, and not, there, there was there was no I didn't hear anyone around me sort of screaming, "Just get rid of it! What you're doing!" It was there was no panic with the play around the back, and I think I think the fans because I, I think I've, I've, over the last couple of weeks I've seen a couple of interviews with a, a few different players, and they've all referenced the the fans at home needing to get on board and, you know, be patient, that their instructions are patient. And I think they've kind of, like, just been subtly putting that message out there to the fans. And today, I think, was the first time it, it kind of really clicked. And, and you saw then, you didn't see any mistakes at the back. It was a confident performance because you've not got the crowd on their back. So you've not been forced or you know, panicked into mistakes. And it was all very relaxed even. I mean, Bournemouth didn't really press an awful lot, but he was a, he was a really accomplished uh, playing out from the back, which was, which was really nice to see. Let's give some love to, I mean, you know what, for as much as I've criticized Leon Bailey, um, let's show him some love and let's also give some love to um, Bertrand Troyer as well. Um, I, I think it's more than fair to say that um, <laughs> most people thought Troyer's time had come and gone um, with Villa um, who knows what happens beyond this season, of course. But I, I mean, let's let's start with Leon Bailey, I guess, Simon, because it's I, I don't want to talk about it too much. But again, it was a very nice assist. It's nice to see him just drill into the box, use his momentum with his body and just dart around a defender and not think and think and believe that he has to beat three people and then pass it into the back of the net or score some absolutely fantastic goal you know what he kept it simple he just put the ball in the box and good things happened um i mean on that instance alone a lot of people give him praise and like i said he deserves it where does he kind of sit with you because it was interesting to see comments on social media beforehand kind of questioning how he still gets into the side and of course he came up with some of the goods <clears> today um of course there was a few moments during the game where he'd probably question what he was doing but again he's just a prototypical winger at this point and unfortunately probably paid too much it, that feels like the case isn't it yeah I, I think a winger at a mid-table Premier League club is is going to be inconsistent. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it, it is frustrating because, as, as you say, with that first goal, he did so well. You know, he, I, was, I think when he takes the ball down, he's got his back to goal and it was such a, a sharp turn. And like you say, he's always, when he's not thinking about it, when he just does it, just goes on the outside and just drills it in, we we get chances from it. But there's there's so many times where he, he just makes the wrong decision. Like I, I I do like him. I I find him incredibly frustrating. What I do like about him, and I I think he gets unfairly criticised with this. A lot of people like say that he's quite lazy. I don't think he is. I I never think with Leon Bailey there's a lack of effort. I think at times there's a lack of quality and composure. Uh, but, but at times there's great quality and composure as well. Like as we said, you, t- you know, pro- prototype uh, winger, isn't it? But I, I never think there's a lack of effort. I, I think, I think he's more lack of confidence when when he he gets things wrong. And you know, you could some people would probably say, well, he should be confident. But I, I think you, I think you can see that. I don't need. I don't want to be careful with the word we use. 
because I don't want to because I like him and I don't want to become across as really critical. But I think fragile isn't quite the word. I think that's probably too strong a word. But do you know what I mean? I, I think as I think he if he if he does something wrong in the game, it can take him quite a while to recover if he recovers at all from it. And I, I do think that. that I wonder how much of a future he'll have at Villa beyond the summer. I, I think there is a talented player. He's clearly a talented player there. And there's a reason Emery's picking him, you know, week in, week out. He's obviously doing something. And as I say, maybe it's because I do think he actually does really try and, he, you know, he does put in a lot of effort. And I think probably Emery appreciates that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if he'll have a future at Villa beyond the season. Well, see, I think with him, I don't know if the word you're looking for, but the way that I think of Leon Bailey, it's he's so confidence and, I guess, focus dependent. If he screws something up once or twice, his confidence is absolutely shot and he will massively overthink it and just either hold on to the ball too long and lose it or a mistrade pass Mm. or whatever it may be. And... I, I mean, we can think of I don't know how many different Villa wingers or attackers or whatever that we thought ha- would come in in the past and um, be a bargain or do amazing, and they've been massively inconsistent. Um, it's I, I just again I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but when it comes to Leon Bailey, for me, he is the perfect example of a player that comes in with a lot of hype in as much as I enjoy watching the Bundesliga, a league that is atrocious when it comes to defending. Um, And again, unfortunately, he's the consequence of really uh, trying to fill out a squad when a key player leaves and maybe not doing all of the necessary research that's needed. Um, But that's Leon Bailey at the end of the day. Will it work out? I guess we'll have to wait and see, but let's move on to Traore, of course, because, the fact that he's even getting minutes um, probably to most people is stunning. Um, whether or not he meant to pass that effort that went wide at the left post um, into the net or just to kind of pass it into the box and hope for the best, to be honest, I think it was a shot and he thought if someone gets on the end of it, I look brilliant either way. Um, but I mean, it, it's good to see the impact there. And I mean, we were talking before this, Simon, I, He's not a terrible player by any means to have in your squad, is he? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No, I, as you know, we, before we start recording, I, I said I really like him. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, again, he, he can be frustrating at times. I mean, the main, the big difference between him and Bailey is if I think if Bailey makes a mistake, you say his confidence gets shot and the crowds get on his back quite quickly, and I think that does have an effect on him. Whereas Traore, he, he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Let's be honest. If he makes a mistake, he's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll have another go in a minute when I get the ball again. And I, and I quite admire that, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, no, I, I really like him. I, I, I thought it was, it was odd uh, how him and all the other wingers were just chips off under the previous management. But um, no, I, I think there's... I, I think there's a real opportunity if you still, you know, have have a career at Aston Villa because he's a good player. And the first, like, well, the one proper full season that he had with us, he actually he scored and 
a decent amount of goals and got a decent number of assists as well. Like, I, I, I think there's, I, I, I think he's, he's kind of his career at Villa is, is, is a bit unfairly viewed by some Villa fans. Like, some fans will have you convinced that he's never done anything, but that, that season, he actually contributed quite a lot that season and like vital goals at times as well. So, no, I really like him. I think he's a really good player and he's a, he's a, you may probably wouldn't be, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be starting him in many games. But if you're, if you look at, if you're chasing a game or if you're, you're cruising and you just want to have a bit of fun, he's, he's a great player to bring off the bench. Well, it, it, it's like, it, it's like this too. Like, it's not like he cost Villa Leon Bailey money or more yeah. or really even close to that. I think he was, I think it was under what around seventeen million, if that. Uh, yeah, I think it was about so like 15, 16 I, million. Like people are so obsessed, like I mean, football fans in general, about having the best starting eleven and then kind of building out your bench. If you want to have a competitive bench, I I know people have kind of thrown it out there in the past when it comes to Leon or not Leon Bailey, sorry, Bertrand Traore coming off the bench for like fifteen minutes and he does nothing. But let's be honest. When does a Villa substitute really, or really a substitute in many football games really do all that much in the last 15 odd minutes? It's very rare. But when you're thinking about bulking your squad out and in terms of wide players, let's be realistic. If Unai Emery wants to recruit more wide players, we're not going to bring in like four of them in one, in one transfer window. So in my mind, Leon Bailey is probably, or not, why do I keep saying Leon Bailey? Bertrand Traore is probably around for at least another season in my mind. You're probably not going to get that value back either. Um, that's going to be a lot of issues with some of these players, but it, it really doesn't hurt. And like you said, it's a bit of fun. If he scores another goal by passing into the net, that's worth another season to me. Because it's it's another it's a, yeah. thing we can enjoy and talk about for three more years, really. <laughs> yeah, and it, and also he's... You don't have to play him out wide. He, he he's an option to because the way we're sort of playing with like a it's like a sort of a weird four four two, but it's the the front two is it's like Brendia at the moment is sort of playing off Watkins and Traore can could do that role as well. Like he, I think he spent a lot of time playing through the middle like Leon before we signed him, so he's another option in, in that position as well. The weird thing that when it comes to Birch and Traore, I feel like if we ever got European football. I feel like starting him would actually work against yeah, some of these sides you're going to come up. Yeah, like he's going to score like a hat trick in somewhere in Croatia or something. Like, you know what I mean? It's it, it's just yeah. one of those things where like he'll score the most beautiful hat trick you've ever seen. We're going to talk about it for 30 years. Um, I don't know why, but again, that's just Bruce and Traore. So fair enough to him for his performances and efforts today. Um, the one other player I did want to bring up, Simon, too, of course, and um, he, in my mind, should still be Villa captain, but that's no kind of distaste towards John McGinn or anything. I still don't agree what happened there, and I would probably expect maybe some things to maybe change in the summer in terms of the captaincy, because again, it, it almost feels like Villa doesn't have a captain at this moment, even though um, John McGinn is captain and has started to kind of show more of those leadership qualities um, as the season's gone on. But I did want to bring up Tyrone Mings today because I was looking at his stats um, of course, he should have scored a goal. I don't know how he didn't. Massively <laughs> unlucky. Um, of course, got an assist. He had 88% passing accuracy, two chances created, one big chance created, um, 90 touch, uh, 90 touches, sorry, 100% dribble success, two blocks, two clearances, two headed clearances, 100% ground duels, one, which is three out of three, and 100% aerial duels, one, which is two out of two. I mean, you know what? For that small portion of Villa fandom, and we've said this a million times, um, that thinks Mings is past that or has no Villa future. Um, he's everything for me when it comes to Villa at the back. But what about you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's no secret. I think we're all sort of big time Mings fans on this podcast, and yeah, I, I I think he's I think he's been really good this season in general. I think he's had a really really good season. I think I actually think he's improved as well since Emery's come in. I think he's he's getting more comfortable with playing out from the back. There was, in the first half, especially, there was a, a couple of beautiful little balls that he sort of clipped down the line for Moreno to get on to. Um, and from the yeah, def- defensive point of view today, it was excellent. At, you know, again, you sort of caveat it with the opposition you're up against. But there was the, in the second half when Solanke went through one-on-one, 
And to be fair, I think he, he probably should have ended up scoring. But I think Mings got across really well and, and sort of almost forced Solanke to, to pull himself a bit wider than he wanted to and then got the block in. And uh, yeah, dominance in the air. I, I, I thought he had a really good game. I think he's been playing well all season. And I, I mean, I, I, I think he's so unlucky not to have been called up to, to that England squad in the week. When, when you look at, I mean, I'd say Maguire, Eric Dyer, and Gaye, how the three of them have got in ahead of Tyro Mings, I, I, I don't understand that. I think that's absolutely mental, but it is what it is. You know, as long as he's performing for Villa, you know, that's all I kind of care about, really. Off the Villa point of view, maybe people won't care about this, but did you see the Southgate comment about that he might have to start looking in the lower divisions? How mental I mean, is that? I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> The the England squads, there were some there were some odd odd choices in there, so it's it's no surprise that he's he's come out with an an odd statement. Eh, Simon Dawkins still might have a chance after all these seasons, then if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, if he's, he's still doing, look, he's, he's when he's played as many Premier League games as Calvin Phillips this season, so <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah, he might be another midfielder on the move here in the summer, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, it, it's interesting when we kind of look at I think a lot of football fans obsess about clean sheets and they'll look at Emmy Martinez as the be all and end of all of it. And I couldn't agree more to an extent, but it, to be honest, it doesn't matter if you don't have a, a decent defense in front of you and a, a very crucial center back partnership as well. And as much for me as stick as Mings has got and Konza has in the past, um, I mean, the two of them have continued to improve and improve and under Unai Emery, like most players, I think the biggest thing when he came in, a lot of people were wondering who would kind of show that they can go to the next level and who can't. And I'm actually stunned to see the amount of players that have absolutely picked it up in their performances and showed that they are good enough and are willing to do that work. And I was just kind of looking at Villa's clean sheets basically since um, Emmy Martinez came in, of course, um, in the 20, 2021 season, of course, he had 15. Um, sadly, of course, he didn't win the Golden Glove because Man City decided to keep 19 clean sheets that season, um, which is mildly annoying. Uh, the following season after that, Emmy Martinez had 11. And of course, I'm bringing this up for reasons. I don't think I'm just talking about this for nothing. Currently, he has seven. Of course, I think he's on, what, 99 appearances and he's already tied um, the uh, record for, I think, was it uh, Villa Clean Sheets in 100 appearances. So now he has the opportunity to break it. Of course, now it's against Chelsea. So let's be realistic. It's probably not going to happen. But, I mean, when you sit back and you look at Emmy Martinez as a whole and then the, the defense as well, Simon, I mean, we can, as Villa fans, we can rant and rave about how we need to improve things. But, I mean, when you look at the back four, and then you look at that goalkeeper, it's it's really hard for me to say that there's massive improvement still needed in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the point you're making, really, because they have, in general, with defensively, we've been excellent since Emery's come in. And that's the three-game uh, losing streak we had where we conceded 11 goals. They were... The majority of those goals were, were silly individual mistakes. It wasn't to do with... Like the shape of the team or the the setup of the team is is more lack of concentration, which you know that that that's that sort of things that that's just down to the individual. There's not an awful lot you can do from a coaching point of view there. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there is room for improvement, but it's it kind of where where we're at at the moment and where we want to go to. The play, the the money that we'd have to spend to improve on what we've got is quite a lot of money. I think, like, if you, if you look at the say the centre backs, for example, you've got Mings, Cons, and uh, Diego Carlos, obviously still to come back in. It, if outside of the sort of again the sort of top six, top seven that you look at that would normally be in the Premier League. I don't think you're going to get much better in, that, in, in other Premier League teams. You know, they, other people might have their own opinions on, you know, this individual's better than this one. But, but I don't think there's, 
there's say other centre backs that are significantly better than ones we've got. So the only there's no point signing players now that aren't. And I think everybody said in the January transfer window they're only going to sign players that are better than the players we've currently got. So it's going to take it was one of two things: either spending a lot of money or really clever recruitment and sort of finding a hidden gem. So. It'll be interesting to see see what goes on in see what positions are prioritised in the summer because like you say there's there's a good there's a good basis there and it's like I just said then it's it's difficult to see how you improve that without either spending huge sums on individual players or you know doing what Brighton do for example and just having really good recruitment in the foreign market so yeah I, I, I'm not too sure. I'll be fascinated to see what areas of the pitch I'll prioritize. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it's funny because, like, I feel like this season has been the biggest mind kerfuffle I've ever seen. How we've went from being absolutely dreadful to actually having a manager who knows how to run um, drills properly, from what it seems like, um, and coach properly and kind of get behind their players and organize them. And again, it's, it's the current crop. So who knows what happens in the summer and who knows? Um, I don't know, maybe for the rest of the season, the the run doesn't continue and there's going to be a little bit more of um, dips and dives and then another high spike or whatever. I mean, there's only 11 games left, so we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully it's a, a good one where we, we flirt with you up for a little bit and um, have a little bit more positivity. Cause I could really go for that. But Do you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a case of, We'd be flirting with Europe now. We're four points off behind Liverpool in sixth. Like, True. It's, it, it is it is well a Europe a top seven, top eight spot. I think is well within our grasp. Like we've so I think we've had fourteen games under Emery now, fourteen or fifteen games. And I think that I, I saw something earlier after the game today. The points per game since he's come in. Over those fourteen games, if that was over, if if, the, if that same points per game tally was achieved over thirty eight game season, we'd finish the season on seventy points. And we've played, you know, we, we've not just played rubbish teams since we've come in. We played very good teams as well. So to yeah. me, and and I was always from the start of the season adamant that the squad of players we had was capable of a top eight finish. Like I look at. Brighton, Brentford and Fulham who are all above us in the league and they're good teams they've got good managers they play good football but I think player for player we've got better squads of players than all three of them like, I, I, I'm not saying that 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 we uh, you know we, we absolutely will or, or that we even should you know definitely be finishing top seven top eight this season but I, I honestly think that we're in we're, we're in like a proper hunt for European spot now we have to be well, yeah, like I do agree with that, but like the one I would almost, I don't want to say reverse that statement, but what I look at as the most important thing in terms of Villa and the progress is we're 11 points in front of Palace who are in 12th. Like yeah. we are so far beyond any worry of any of that crap below us because to be honest, I am so thankful we are not in that. <laughs> with the oh, amount, gosh, I've never yeah. seen so many teams in my life battling for uh, to stay in this league. But I feel like that's almost just as important to have that gap as it is to finish seventh, eighth, whatever it may be. Now, yeah. like if we finish ninth or tenth, I mean that's brilliant considering how we started the season. And I mean, you look at Chelsea, of course, and. Of course, drawing, of course, we're recording this on Saturday. They'll go out early on the Monday. So, of course, they drew um, to Everton. And they're going to be kind of up and down as well. And I don't know, maybe they go further in Europe and do the Chelsea thing and win something um, that way and maybe not focus so much on the league. Fulham, I feel like, have kind of dipped a little bit. Brentford are, have been up and down a little bit as of late, too. You never know with Brighton, Liverpool again. I mean, they just lost to Bournemouth. Do they rebound quickly? Um, Brighton have two games in hand of on us. Liverpool have one. It, it's so tight. It's just, I mean, yeah. it, it's just refreshing to be in that conversation. Maybe we're only in that conversation, Simon, for another couple of weeks or a month or whatever. But 
the fact that we're even in this conversation as of March 18th, 2023, <clears throat> to me, that's a sign of improvement. Yeah, oh, 100%. You know, when, when you think of where we were when, when Emery came in, the position we were, in, I think we're only a couple of points, I think, off the bottom of the table. Yeah. And now, like you say, we're 11 points clear of Crystal Palace and 12 below us. Four points off Liverpool in sixth. Like, if you, when, when after that Fulham defeat and when Gerard got sat, if you'd have said, come the middle of March, you'll be level on points with Chelsea and four points behind Liverpool, like, you'd think you've absolutely gone mental. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And I kind of, I, I, I don't think, um, Certainly in the media over here, I don't think Emery's got anywhere near the amount of credit that he should be getting. And I mean, to be honest, part of me doesn't mind us slipping under the radar a bit, but I, I, the job he's done so far has been unbelievable. Like, and I don't think he gets anywhere near the amount of credit he should. And I think probably some of that is because, uh, Gerard's mates in the media don't want to admit just what a terrible job he'd done, but, um, yeah, it's, it's where where we are. Like you say, to even be thinking about the possibility that you could finish in a, a spot to be playing European football next season is is brilliant. I, I just feel like that's Unai Emery, though. I, I mean, you look at his time at Villarreal, and of course how things went at PSG and Arsenal. Even before that, I feel like he's just. I'm not saying Villarreal or other clubs that he managed before PSG or Arsenal aren't big clubs in their own right. But and and that Villa aren't either. But it, it just seems like he thrives at a certain structure of a club that he knows he can take to a certain level. Not so much a like I said a PSG or Arsenal who automatically expect it. He loves to ride that momentum and raise it with them. And I feel like Villa is just that perfect project right now that he's able to do that. And of course, it's what we've needed for seasons, so it does help. But regardless of that, yeah, I, I mean. Let's bring it on. I'm going to be delirious saying we're going to get Europe for uh, until the next game when we play Chelsea. If we beat Chelsea, I will say we're doing it. I, do, I don't care what anybody <laughs> says because that means we're officially 10th and we're not 11th anymore. <laughs> like that is probably one of the most important games, to be honest, in this run. If we're going to be realistically challenging for that, I don't expect it. But who knows? But anyways, let's get over to the three word reviews on um Twitter. Actually, before that, because I almost forgot. Um, let's see here. We did have one more comment. Let's bring this up, then we'll do three word reviews, actually, because I'm not keeping track of this very well, apparently. Um, so the one last comment I did want to discuss, because I did want to discuss Cameron Archer um, from Dr. Um, AVFC on Twitter saying, would like to hear some thoughts on Cameron Archer. Does he have a future at Villa? Another brace for him today. Of course, he scored in uh, Middlesbrough's 4-0 win against Preston North End, scoring in the 52nd and 58th minute. I think that makes it like three goals in, I think, two games, or maybe it's four. I can't remember exactly the stats. I, I think it's, before. it's six in his last eight now for, for them. Yeah, it's it, it's ridiculous. But, I mean, we did talk about Cameron Archer, of course, last week, Simon, as well, so we won't talk about it too much. But, I mean... Thoughts on him, kind of another stellar week for him. It's not really surprising at this point, is it? No, I mean, he's, I, I think he's he's more than proven at, at that level in the championship now. And so he was a smart signing for Middlesbrough. And it looks like him alongside getting Aaron Ramsey and uh, could well fire them towards massive promotion back to the Premier League. It'd be, um, be it's, it's difficult to answer the question in terms of does he have a future bit of uh, like it's, I think we'll only know that uh, during the summer. I think, you know, obviously he'll, he'll go back and uh, at the end of the season. And I think Emery will probably have a proper look at him then and we'll see what happens. There's certainly potential there. Um, and I think, you know, we'd all like to see him be given a go. But if if it's not if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And, you know, good luck to him if, if he ends up moving on. But he's he's certainly you know, doing himself no harm with what he's doing. The whole idea of sending these youngsters out on loan is to go and get regular first team football at a high level and so you know, it's had their development. So 
yeah, we'll just just. I think he's he's one of those you you got to wait and see. I don't think anyone can really give a definitive answer on that. Well, exactly, and I think it'll depend where Villa finish. Like again, not being delirious, but if it if there is European football, there's general questions and kind of you have to think about bringing him in that squad for not only that experience but to cope with the amount of games that that brings as well. And like I said last week, realistically, if his future isn't at Villa, he's going to be sold for a very good fee. Um, would it hurt to then see him at another club score against Villa? Probably. We'd probably be pretty raging at that moment in time. Um, so hopefully we'd hope at that point his career doesn't um, turn into haunt us um, as things have done in the past. But again, it's a, a wait and see thing. But uh, anyways, now let's get over to the three word reviews on Twitter. Of course, it goes out around 15 minutes post-match um, at 7,500 Holt is the Twitter handle you can reach out to, to get involved. Uh, thank you to everyone. Of course, that has got involved. There's a lot of very um, good and happy ones and some funny ones as well. So let's just get through as many as we can. We'll start with Townsend saying Lord Emery masterclass. Um, let's go to Michael Miller saying up the villa, um, Abu Dhabi villa saying Emery wins that, uh, let's go to, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> if I want to read this out, let's, let's go for it. Why not? I've already sworn in this one. So I'm going to have to make it explicit content anyways. I'm going to check that box off in the editing side of things. Jerry Smith saying change my nappy. Um, <laughs> we're, we're going down that route. Um, Dan Baker saying stop slating Bailey. JAVFC saying we are massive. Matthew Shaw, new improved Villa. Uh, Debito saying Villa are back. Um, Elville1874 saying cream always rises. Um, David Bladden saying yippee yayo. Whole tenders in the sky. He put it basically all together and to fit into three words, asking if that's three words. It's really not, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. <laughs> it, it, it's worth um, reading it regardless. Uh, the Villa chat saying 3-0 Villa. Uh, Lynn saying on our way. Um, Brad Wolf dominant last 15. Paul Albert saying plan coming together. And let's do two more before we give Simon his little bit of pressure um, on this evening recording. So there's a heads up for him. Um, USA villain, villain saying calm professional win. And let's finish it with uh, PC23 saying different fucking gravy. I think that's a, <laughs> a very good way to finish that. Simon, your three word review, please. Completely dominant performance. I'm pretty sure I read that out. Um, if I didn't, but I, I, to be honest, I can't remember right. the matter. I've just I'll read go it. Dougie Louise masterclass. Well, that really sucks because that's what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> <let>. <laughs> that's more than fair. Um, let's go with, I don't know if I've said this before. Um, I love Unai. <laughs> we all do <laughs> so I, I don't know if i copped out of that one with a not so creative one but uh we all feel that way so let's not let's show him some of that love um i think that's the only thing I, else i wanted to bring up um i guess we can give a special shout out to louis berry of course he played 77 minutes today and picked up an assist against um Doncaster and Salford's 3-1 win today. Um, I was just kind of going through and looking at some of the Academy products out on loan, and it looks like him and Cameron Archer they were the ones that made the biggest impact. So kudos to them. I mean, whether we ever see Louis Berry actually play for the first team is one thing. But Simon, is it mental? I feel like Louis Berry at this point, even though he's only been at Villa for a few seasons now, it feels like he's like 25 and he's only like 19. <laughs> I know, yeah, it does feel like he's been around for a while, doesn't it? Because obviously he's, uh, came with a lot of hype. You know, there's, there's still plenty of time for him to, to develop and, you know, possibly have a future bidder. So, yeah, just have to, to wait and see. So, wait and see with that one, I think. Exactly. I mean, it'd be a great story to say we nipped a, a great product from Barcelona and now he's banging goals for Villa. Um, we kind of hope that's what would happen with Coutinho for a longer, consistent basis. But uh, <laughs> that's arguably not going to happen going forward. But anyways, I think 
That is a good way to leave this. Uh, thank you very much to Mr. Simon O'Regan for joining me as always. Of course, we're now heading into an international break, so I'm sure everyone will be very, very pleased with that. Um, I'm not. Will there be content out during the break? I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm thinking of putting something out so we can fill some uh, Villa fans' boredom with some Villa content. So keep an eye, of course, out on the Twitter at 7500 to Holt. You can find Simon on Twitter as well, Cy O'Regan. Find me on Twitter, talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team, like I said, at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, Gmail or holtcast at gmail.com. I've really butchered that regardless of that. And of course, check out the website, www.7500toholt.com. Like I said, keep an eye out on the page for more stuff coming up. Let's ride this momentum into the international break, see what happens. And hell, I'll say it now. I don't know if how many people are going to get to this point, to be honest, because I think most people skip the outro, but we're going to get Europe. And don't forget, up the villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.